My name is Andy Van Bever. Welcome to The Voice of Reason. I'm joined by Travis Kirkendall, Alex Ellison, newly elected, re-elected, Pike County prostituting, prosecute, prostituting, prostituting, wow. <laughs> prosecuting attorney. Well, that's what's going on. Yeah. Huh? Congratulations, Alex. Welcome to the show. Are you, are you, are you muted again? I think he's, I can't, huh? Yeah, we can hear you now. I think, no. Yep. Okay. There we go. There we go. So tell us a little bit about election night. What all, what all went into this re-election campaign? You, did you, you said you've told us you ran unopposed. Is that common for Pike County or is that just, Hey, this is a job for anybody who wants to be punished to do it. Yeah. Um, it's pretty common for Pike County. I don't think there was a single tested election on the November ballot in mm. Pike County, yeah. other than Hybrid. Yeah. Um, so at least in Pike County, if there are contested races, they take place in the primary, right. not, not in the general. Right. Um, in particular, Republican primary. Yeah. Uh, and so, no, there, but I was lucky. I, I didn't have a primary opponent either. So I think, in general, this job is one most people don't want. Well, you know, we can't go into details, but hey, thanks for cleaning up uh, Louisiana City uh, Police Department. We appreciate that, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, so, and uh, you're, you, how are how are the children? They're doing good. Yeah, they're great. Um, you know, we actually had a little bit of a tantrum tonight before bed, but <laughs> yes. With a two and a half year old, that's gonna happen. Yes, it when is. I, when I just said they're great, Lauren Lauren smirked from the other side of the computer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my, my my coworker. I see my coworker at least once a week. I see. I'm so glad to have Lauren Ellison working at Pike County R three Schools now, which is great. Travis, how was your weekend? I worked all weekend. Yeah, you did <laughs> making that overtime yeah. cash. Yeah, yeah, enough said. I was I was in uh, Indiana oh. all weekend, like two hours south and two hours. So you're yeah. south of the city. Yeah, as well, two hours from where I'm living. So I was doing like a four hour commute both oh. days and just working dust to dust till dawn. <laughs> Man, visiting the old Gary, They're Indiana side of things, I, I guess, huh? Uh, south of there. Wow. Uh, yeah, Couts, Indiana. It's like a picture it's like a bowling green like oh. a, this tower was like this in the middle of a cornfield <laughs> yes Travis, i think it was like two or three weeks ago you sent us a picture on our group chat of where you were at and i was just like Mm-mm-mm. i also we never we didn't mention though two weeks ago was it two weeks ago or a week ago that you you were tower climbing on top of a chicago school and you found the nine millimeter slug in the or how... Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was working in the ghetto of Chicago, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're just working on a rooftop, and uh, one of the coworkers like, "Dude, look what I just found!" And literally, that picture was how it was. There was a bullet like implanted into the roof, and we were talking to the building engineer there, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "They're all over the place." He's like, "One day I went up to fix the AC, and I wasn't even looking for them, and I found three forty-five rounds just." In the roof, he's like, I wasn't even looking for them; they were just there. And while we were working there, I didn't tell you guys this: that week there was two shootings during the day. Like one was like right in an alleyway, right by the school. Like within minutes, there were six cop cars that pulled up and blocked off this whole alleyway. And then there was another one just a couple blocks down the road. And like, dude, there's like kids out of recess while this is going on. It's like, it's it, ridiculous gun sad gun gun safe cities baby right there gun free <sighs> zones that's what how it's working yeah. for you but uh yeah, no was, so uh, interesting we uh so we wanted to do a follow-up um we've already got our topic for next week so then that's gonna be sean and travis's baby i'm just gonna and hopefully we'll we get her. may or may not have a guest for that one we're, on that, hoping, we're on hoping that our, our one of our other good buddies will be on for that one um, but tonight we wanted we wanted to follow up with uh, our midterm follow up show, and I called tonight's episode "Did the Red Wave Fizzle Out?" So, 
many, many predictions about this election. Um, I'll start with you, Alex. Were you surprised or were you, you, were you expecting, you know, what happened on the national level within the Senate and the House? Did you expect more, less, or what was your expectations going into this election, do you think, for, for Republicans? Um, I was I was very surprised, uh, but of course, you know most of my expectations were based on what actual political pundits said, mm-hmm. not so much my own, you know, personal <laughs> research. Um, but yeah, I was surprised at, because just in general, you would expect the out of power party to make some gains in a midterm, um, especially with the way the economy is. We sure think it's it's going to go a lot different, um, right. but. Um, you know, it looks like Republicans are going to pick up a little bit of ground, but not nearly the amount they thought. Actually, I think it, I think it's a net loss for Republicans. Yeah, the uh, news I was I actually was wanting. We're not going to get into it tonight, but I was I was watching the news to see tonight about the whole thing that happened in Poland, and they they actually let out with the. They had uh, officially, they officially, um, well, not officially, the news The news outlets are all calling that the Republicans have pretty much claimed the House, but it was, was it two, 220 to 215, I believe, was the, was the final breakdown, what they're saying. And so you need, and you need 218 to have a majority. So, I, I you know, I, I was expecting... I was I was expecting a lot more going into this as well because the news news media and this is one of the things that we're going to get into here in a second but the news media really I think they really missed the boat on this one because I mean it just goes to show you what you know how wrong polling numbers can be it goes to show you how how much people rely and they read things totally wrong but I was I was expecting, you know, I was expecting more, you know, from the Republicans, but it just didn't happen. Travis, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's, uh, we touched on it before. I was surprised, at, but at the same time, I wasn't. Um, when we originally talked, I, I really, I, I expected the Republicans to take the House by a little bit more of a margin. So that was, I was surprised to see it as close as it was. Um, and the Senate, I was kind of unsure about, but I, I want to go back to when we first started talking about the Roe v. versus Wade episode we had, and we were kind of talking about, we kind of gave our early predictions then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, this could have, I think this could have, I remember, I don't know if it was me or Sean that said, like, I really think this is just one of the, not the deciding factor, but I think this decision is going to really affect what we thought the elections were going to be. I, I really thought that was going to be a turning point. Yeah. And I remember we called that out. And I think that was, I'm not saying that was the whole deciding factor, but I think that was, that definitely played a part in this election and what people went in voting for. Um, so again, I was surprised, but at the same time I look back I step back. I'm like, well, I guess this kind of makes sense. Well, and there, I mean, there's other issues too, but well, some of the, so some of the, some and I was reading. I was reading more editorials in preparation for this show than I was actual news stuff. But a lot of the editorials, like I was reading, that where was it? It was saying basically moderate. And, and one of the places that really saw a lot of drop off was with moderate Republicans, because moderate Republicans were afraid. I think that. From what some polls were showing, and again, we we can't put total faith in, in polling, but the possibility of, of fear by moderate Republicans that, you know, stricter abortion laws would occur and would cause a further split, you know, because you do, you know, when you look at a moderate, a true, a true definition, I believe, and Alex, you can correct me if you think differently on this, but by definition, a moderate can, you know, a moderate can go either way on many issues. And with Republicans, you have, you have that group of Republicans who say, okay, we don't, and me being one of them, I don't like abortion as a means of birth control. 
Okay, I do not support abortion, you know. I'm pretty much the guy who says, okay, due to health, due to, you know, life of the mother, life of the baby, whatever. Okay, but outside of that. But with that, some states have really started to crunch down. And, you know, I think some moderates were afraid that if we had state and federal Republican lockdown, that we were going to see a tighter crackdown on abortion laws. What do you think about that one, Alex? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, that seems to be the, the the overriding factor for why Republicans did so poorly. You know, I've seen a few articles and several polls that seem to say it wasn't, it, it wasn't just moderate Republicans. Specifically, it was suburban women mm-hmm. that left the Republican Party, voted Democrats this go-round. Um, you know, we, and we've seen it in states like Kansas back during their August election. Uh, Kansas, a very conservative state, had some, I don't remember the exact specifics, but some sort of abortion-related matter on the ballot, and um, people came out in droves and voted against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that indicates that ultimately, the, the, if a party's going to survive, it's got to have some sort of broad appeal. It, it's got to be able to get that 50% plus one. Um, and so that might mean you have to compromise on some of your values. Does that mean you compromise on your core beliefs? No, but I think it's probably time for the Republican party to either face reality, either look at making a change in your platform, or you're just going to be a minority party for the time being. Yeah. And I found an interesting fact that since, so since world war two, the movement toward the opposition party of the presidency has averaged gaining 26 seats, whether that be, you know, combined Republican or House and Senate, okay? And usually they gain seven points in the national popular vote when the next election comes around, okay? When the presidential approval rating of said opposition is below 50%, 50%, the shift tends to be greater historically. Okay? So the question that a lot of people are asking is, why, why didn't it happen? You know, it, it, we had an unpopular president. <laughs> we had, I mean, Joe Biden's at what, 44% right now approval rating? 42, 44, somewhere in there are, you know, we are now officially in a recession. Okay. And, you know, but what does it come down to? It comes down to a lot of things. One of the, and I saw this again and again and again and again, and a couple of, and a couple of them was that one of them was in a, was in a conservative news source that stated that, Republicans have a blemished national image in a lot of people's eyes because of, I mean, we hate to keep on going back to January the 6th, but January the 6th is a, I mean, it, even if it was the far riders, the proud boys, the, uh, what are they called? The QAnon, all those guys it's still going to come back to that event, you know. Um, I, I just, I can't, there's a lot of things that, you know, you guys said, women voters. Women voters are the biggest in swing voters. Yeah. And why, men, this is, this is an interesting discussion that I've had with my students before. And tell me what you guys think about this. Men tend to vo- vote loyally to a party. You know, st- statistics have shown loyal- party loyalty lines are stronger among men than they are women. Women, and we saw this in this election, women will look at, take the time at, investigate, look at the issues, and they will vote on the issues. I mean, do you guys agree, disagree, or what's your thoughts on that? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think women 
our issues based what it boils down to, whether it's abortion, um, you know, whether it's in some cases it might be education, it might be uh, crime, but women are women are issue based voters. I think men, for whatever reason, I'm not a psychologist, I couldn't begin to guess really, but for whatever reason, men seem to be more about winning um, rather than focused on issues. Mm-hmm. I would say that what Alex said, and also. I would say, and again, I think it's a question of psychology, like he noted, but men maybe tend to vote more based on their morals and beliefs as opposed to maybe more of an ideology voting as opposed to like specific issue based, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I know I know a lot of men who are very hard set and they're, they're creatures of habit and they're going to continue to vote for a single party just because that's the party they've always voted for. And the family's always uh, voted for and the boys, yeah, the I, I, boys always vote for. I'm, yeah. And I'm thinking just specifically people I know and family, uh, it tends to be men who are a little more, uh, you know, narrow minded. Yeah. It's, that's an interesting question for sure. It, I'd like to learn more about that. Yeah. And so, I mean, and that was, and I think that was the main headline from this election was the independent voters was the woman that was the surprise you know the surprise in all of this um and so well, i think that and i i'd like to ask alex this and i think you were kind of leading into it you were talking about january 6th and we talked about this at our last episode i we pretty much all came to an agreement that something that could potentially really hurt republicans was ties to Trump. And Alex, I'm curious if you listened to that episode, what do you, or if you didn't, what are your thoughts on, do you think that Trump played a part in the Republicans not performing? Do you think that him back in the, kind of him back to doing the, you know, the, uh, the rallies and endorsing other Republican candidates and him throwing his bid out for 2024, do you think that negatively affected Republicans? Um, I think so. Um, and because I think along with the abortion issue, the other big issue that, and I, the, the big thing that Democrats were pushing was this idea of, you know, I may, I may not fully agree with their characterization, but they were pushing the idea of saving democracy, mm-hmm. this election keeping election deniers out of Congress or keeping election deniers out of secretary of state or governor positions. Well, and that was, that was an interesting polling point that they had. And again, I don't, we'll talk about the whole poll thing here in a little bit, but uh, NBC did an exit poll of people who voted. Uh, 32% voted to oppose Biden while 28% voted to oppose Trump. So, you know, you can do with that whatever you want to. That's that's a pretty close margin, you know, and then you have the then you have the rest of the people who actually voted on issues and voted on the candidates as it was. But one of the things that, you know, candidates who had endorsed who had embraced positions by Trump earlier, you know, they they kind of wanted to distance themselves because he tended to put more ideas out there that were more outside the mainstream. Okay. And we're seeing that as more as, as, as Trump opens his mouth about stuff. And I haven't, I haven't had a chance to watch his, I mean, tonight he announced officially uh, at Mar-a-Lago that he is running for reelection. And of course I haven't been on social media since this morning. So I don't know. I haven't, I haven't gotten the, I haven't gotten the uh, response yet, but, you know, is it, is he kind of like the, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I kind of want, I kind of want to go with what you're saying there, Alex, is I think that he is, he's the albatross that is hanging around the Republican Party neck now because, you know, when you listen to the stuff from the January 6th hearing of the actual video of Kevin McCarthy calling the president, trying to send messages to the president, 
man, you need to get this January. You need to get these people out of here. You know, Mitch McConnell, who is Mitch McConnell, who still hasn't come back over to the Trump camp and who has said, you know, I'm done with you. And so, you know, I, and, and there's going to be, and I think there's going to be challenges to the, to that leadership. I, you know, I don't think McCarthy's going to be a shoe, a shoe in for the speaker of the house, even though that he seems to be the next in line. And I honestly don't think Mitch McConnell's going to be next is not, is going to have a challenge as the minority leader in the Senate. So, I mean, I, I, it depends on who they, who, who's going to get in there. Are you going to get more Republican apologist, or are you going to get more Trump loyalist? I think it's going to be the big question. I can't. Yeah, I would agree. That's that's a good way of that's a good way of wording it. Because obviously, I would say the Republican Party's pretty uh, lost in a way. I don't know. It feels like they're just um, they're trying to find themselves as a party, pretty much right now. With the whole, like you said, your apologist. Or like your your MAGA Trump, whatever you want to call the those supporters. I, I don't know. I, I really think they need to the Republican Party really needs to sit down and reevaluate everything. Who are we as a party? Who do we stand for? What do we stand for? What are our morals and values? What do the people that we represent want? I, I really think and I think all politicians need to get back to that. What do our people want? What do we stand for? Not just winning, losing, no matter what the cost. It's oh. all about win- it's all about the votes. Alex, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I agree. And you know, it's really scary for me about. I mean, one, I am a Republican. I am a conservative. Um, but what's frightening for me uh, at the national level is because we failed to take as many seats in Congress as we thought we would. We now have this very thin margin of majority, which only highlights those on the fringes as being more powerful. Uh, because before, you know, it, in the hypothetical where if we had a 30 or 40 seat lead in the House, um, the Lauren Boberts and Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, mm-hmm. they the speaker could just set them in a corner and forget about them for a couple of years. Uh, but now he needs their votes in order to get anything passed because he's still going to need a majority. Every Democrat's going to vote against whatever the Republicans try to pass. Yeah. So you're going to be relying on Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> so yes, on legislation. Well, if she's if she's that deciding vote, she's going to milk it for all it's worth. Um, oh, she's going yeah, power grab big time. Yeah. So I, I think that's only going to make the Republican Party again further into disarray. Um, I think the best chance that the Republicans have is uh, to hopefully a strong candidate for president emerges in the near future and they unite behind that person. And maybe he'll provide some clarity, he or she will provide some clarity as to what our party platform really is. Who do you think that is, Alex? Do you have any people you've been kind of paying attention to? I mean, I, I think Saint Ron DeSantis is an absolute juggernaut. If he if he wants the presidency, it's his. I think in 2024, um, he seems like a strong leader. Uh, seems very principled in his conservative ideals, um, and seems to have none of the personal baggage that Donald Trump has. Well, do you, do you think that that is that this announcement tonight? Well, I mean, I I think he. You don't have to be the you know the head oil change guy at, at Jiffy Lube to figure out that he waited to do this announcement in DeSantis's backyard. You know, a week after the after the a week after the midterms. I mean, I think that already Trump is going on. He's going into attack mode. You know, I'm going to, if Ron DeSanctimonious, as he calls him, you know, if Ron DeSanctimonious, I've got, I've got secrets I'm going to release on him. You know, I've got, I've got things I'm going to release on him. And to me, Trump is already going into, you know, he's already going into this mode of, 
I don't want to say bullying, but it's just like he wants to make he wants to make DeSantis look to be because he sees him as like you said, Alex, DeSantis to me DeSantis is the new face the new head of the Republican Party, whether he wants it or not. And people are looking I think people are gonna to look to him as a a sound choice for the Republicans because he's going to bring, I hate to sound, I'm, I'm sounding like a star Wars thing when I say this, but he's going to bring balance and order back to the <laughs> Republican party, you know? And like we, like you said, Travis, I mean, the Republican party is in utter disarray right now Yeah, because they were expecting, you know, you know, you just, you just saw, you know, I, whatever, for whatever reason, Ted Cruz is still hanging on to Donald Trump's coattails. I, I thought Ted Cruz was smarter than that, but I mean he's he's grasping on Ted Cruz is just grasping on to to Donald Trump's coattails, hoping that something you know another breadcrumb will fall off the table and he'll you know you know get another bite. But when you look at the Senate and the twenty, what was it? It was the thirty was it thirty one seats that were up for re up for, and so we they have officially okay. declared as of. We still have, I mean, they haven't, there's still some states that are still, a week later, 97% reporting. I still, I still can't get over that. As I, I, I checked at, uh, I checked at 6.30 on Google, I just go to Google's election page. And so far there are 19, so for the Republicans, they're out of those, there were 19 Senate wins and seven losses. Okay. And that those seven losses were the key to not winning the majority. And when you look at where those losses were at, you, we know where uh, Oz, okay? Oz, um, who was that guy in Arizona? Blake Masters. Um, I can't think of the other guy's name. Walker, I can't remember. But all these guys, you know, they were kind of criticized, I think, as kind of, <laughs> I guess you could say, flawed standard bearers, maybe. You know, they weren't, <laughs> they didn't. When you looked at Dr. Oz, I mean, <laughs> when, you're, when your sugar mama, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, doesn't even, you know, give you the endorsement, and she goes with to Fetterman, a guy who, I'm like, okay, how ironic it is that Dr. Oz loses to a guy who, is a su who suffers from conditions of a stroke. <laughs> yeah, right. Just the like, irony. That's, the irony of that is just overwhelming. But, you know, I think we have a... Tell me what you... I, I have this general statement, and I think about mm -hmm. this. We have... There is a strong Republican sentiment, but there were a lot of weak candidates. Do you agree or disagree with that, Alex? I agree. Um, and... I don't know why I, you know, I think there's a lot of factors. Uh, moderates don't vote in primaries. Typically, typically hardcore believers on either side that vote in primaries, but for whatever reason, it seems like the Democrats got it right. In their primaries. I don't know what it is. I think a lot of it could be Donald Trump based that maybe a lot of the sound, um, sane people out there, Julian conservative who would make good candidates for office just don't want to be associated with that part of the party at this time. If, if he's still hanging around out there, so I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'll like doctor. I can't believe Dr. Oz who was nominated in <laughs> Pennsylvania. Um, I mean, at least Herschel Walker, at least he's like, you know, George's, favored son you know yeah yeah i'm not saying he was great either uh, this is this but, is coming this is coming from a guy and i saw and travis and i saw this on the john john stewart mentioned this on his show last week he's like um he's like he was talking about policy issues and he said like well democrats don't have a policy I've got the ideas, but i just, i just don't want to reveal them right now because i'm afraid democrats might steal them and i'm like <laughs> And then the like, and then he has his. Then he had another reporter. What was it, Travis? He said another reporter questioned him about, 
you know, did you, you know, was it true that you held a, a gun to a woman's head, you know, and forced her to get an abortion? She said, yeah, but that was 14 years ago. Yeah, that was 14 years <laughs> 14 ago. 14 years ago. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, the just, I mean, and the, it's like Hollywood wants to get, Hollywood and sports want to get involved in in the elections. I mean, Heck, already the, you know, I mean, Dwayne Johnson, right? Dwayne Johnson has said multiple times, you know, that he, I mean, they've asked him directly, you know, are you going to run for president? And he's like, oh, hum, ha, hum, ha, hum, ha. I want to be, I'm going to be dad and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. Well, okay, maybe not in 2024, but how about 2028? And oh, hum, ha, hum, ha. And yeah, you never know. <laughs> If Jesse, if Jesse Ventura, former WWE wrestling star Jesse Ventura, can be governor of of Minnesota, and that guy, that guy was a that guy was a walking talking meme before memes were a thing. I mean, my 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 brother lived in Minnesota during Jesse Ventura's entire uh, gubernatorial reign, and he was like. He was like Donald, my, my brother describes him now as like Donald Trump light because he was always saying, you know, and this was before, and this, of course, he was governor before Twitter and Facebook was really a thing up in Minnesota. But I was just like, well, just imagine if he had had Twitter and Facebook, he would have been, you know, even more of an idiot. So I, you know, it's. Do you and I want to move on to this. Do you think? And I want to, the the media factor. I want to get into a little bit of the media factor on this. And this was something else that was in this show that 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 Travis and I watched. The media really made this, and I think the way that John Stewart put this was, he made they made it into a high stakes political simulation done by the media to do this whole. Uh, what do you want to say? Make us feel like we're on the verge of civil war, that we're all going to go out, you know, we're going to have mass abortion, we're going to have mass crime and all this other stuff. And I mean, really trying to hype the people up. What is your guys' take on that? A hundred percent. It's, I mean, we were talking about this before, the fear mongering, both sides has just been ridiculous. I mean, you go back to that Trump rally and Alex, you were on, we, when we uh, talked about that episode about saying things like, oh, the country's going to hell and, uh, you know, it's just everything's just a chaos and we're going to lose this country. And uh, the amount of people I've seen on social media saying, like, you know, so much is at stake for this election. You have to get out and vote. Never mind what you believe in. Just vote, vote for this party. You have to vote for this party. So much depends on it. Uh <laughs> The one video I share with you, Andy, where a guy's like, a vote for Republican is, is uh, the Christian thing to do. We have to do this. Like, just <laughs> that Yeah, that was on Instagram. I saw that, yeah. And I've seen I've seen it on both sides. And it's I, I, I really think a lot of people, whatever side of the spectrum they're on, I really think most people are seeing this for what it is and that it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I really think a lot of your – I think more people are moderate than people – let on to be. I really do think more, more people are moderate. And again, I think that's why we saw more people vote on issues that the media didn't see or that the parties didn't really see them being the deciding factors. I really think the media and uh, Republicans and other, a lot of politicians really missed the mark on what people actually wanted. Alex, yeah. Alex, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, I completely agree. I don't, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've watched CNN or Fox News, well, particularly Fox News, uh, but you see it on CNN too. You'll be watching Fox News, you know, I'll be watching whatever the morning, Fox and Friends or whatever in the morning, and um, all of a sudden it pops in with Fox Alert, you know, some breaking news. <laughs> Yeah. CNN breaking news alert. And it's just to tell us that, you know, Dr. Oz made a campaign stop 
this morning in Harrisburg or something, um, you know, and just that little, like, subconscious tweaking of, hey, this thing we're about to tell you is the most important thing you'll hear all day. Um, I think that really heightens it in people's minds. But that, and that's just the subconscious stuff. Then you've got the overt stuff like Travis was talking about, where people are literally using terms like civil war or the end of democracy as we know it. Um, and that goes, I mean, I think that major that was goes a big for the liberal, for Democrats. Um, I mean, they, you know, this was painted by a lot of people as if the Republicans take the House and the Senate, this is the end of democracy as we know it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was going to be the case. I don't think the Republicans were going to institute a fascist authoritarian scheme if they if they got into power. So you know, the, the media is is not helping. Um, you know, but I think, unfortunately, and and there may there may be no way to fix it. But unfortunately, when um, news becomes entertainment and Entertainment is is money. They're going to they have to up the stakes, otherwise we're going to stop watching. You know, Fox News only sells ads if, if people are watching, and people are only going to watch if, if they think they are about to miss something really important. Well, and they and they hang on every word. You know, I I mean, I can go. I know where I can go right now. And even if the restaurant is empty and they're closed, they still got the TV playing in the background and Fox News is on there. You know, and God bless our elderly population. I I know a very, I don't know about you guys, but I know a very few handful of people over the age of 75 who are Democrats. I yeah, personally, I, per, I personally cannot tell you Yeah, even less than five. I can, yeah, three. I can name three. I can name three people I know over the age of 75 who are Democrats. And they're all on my wife's side of the family in the second, you know, and people who live up there in Chicago, Travis. I mean, that's, those are the three that I know. They're all from Chicago. And, the, you know, this whole thing, and I guess it's just, it's just a matter of where you live. And I will bring this, I'll bring this point up. Um, as a side note, I didn't mention this in the opening, but this last week we had our youth and government program, the Missouri YMCA, along with other, there's 38 YMCA, state YMCAs throughout the United States who do what's called a, uh, it's, it's, it's youth and government. It's called like kind of like your, uh, a government simulation. Illinois has been doing it. My brother, when I were talking about this last night, he did it when he was in high school. Um, and it's a great, it's a great opportunity for kids from the rural areas to interact with kids from the city areas. And we primarily see a lot of the, a lot of the kids who come to this conference, especially from St. Louis, uh, your St. Louis university high, your Corge, uh, um, uh, the Westminster Academy, the you know all of these high dollar academies coming in there, and then you get just then you have your other you know Francis Howell and all these other, and you get this blend of kids and our conservative kids gets to go get to go down there and interact with kids of the other side of the aisle, and it is refreshing to see some of these kids. I, I got to witness, um, so there was this girl from this one delegation that's near a neighboring district of ours, and she was very, uh, you know, gen, the whole gender fluid thing, the whole, uh, you know, uh, for women's rights to choose, and she was talking to a kid from SLU High, highly conservative, highly Catholic, highly everything. And what was refreshing to me was, they had done this bill on abortion. It was on the floor of the mock Senate and they were going back and forth, but it was kind and it was, it wasn't biting. It wasn't ugly. And at the end of the debate, after everything was, we were all clearing out of the room and those guys were standing there having, I mean, there, you could just tell by their body language that they were relaxed. You know, there was no, 
but they were just talking about and it was refreshing to see you know the next generation sitting there talking about calmly talking about major issues you know this this is a, this is and that's the thing that i think is really really concerns me is you know i social media we we talked about the media i mean we can get into this aspect of it too i mean social media makes us know makes us unless you block these people out which i've tried my hardest to do and i've done pretty good at it but they make us know what the worst of us are feeling you know what i'm saying they make us know what the yeah. worst of us are feeling and that's what's heard the most well, uh, we're we're just so polarized, and we're just so this, and we're so that, you know, and it just seems like between them, between the media and social media, these social media icons, it's like they're dividing America on purpose to win elections. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, uh, am I all, am I often thinking that? Is that is there is is that being a little bit over dramatic, or is that? Uh, I would say yes and no. Um, have you, for example, have you seen uh, that Netflix special, The Social Dilemma? Yes. Oh my gosh. Alex, did you see that one? Yeah. Yep. I one. Yes. So, jeez. What? And I think there's like, I would agree. I think there is some intention there with uh, polarization, but I also th really think what plays a big part of it and what they covered in that documentary is how the algorithm works and getting people to interact on the website and the more time that's spent consuming that content the more profit or whatever is made and so i think by making things more divisive you're getting people consuming more and i don't think it's i, I like i said i think there is some instances where there is a, a direct intention to divide but i think a lot of it does go into the the algorithm that a lot of these social media platforms are set for and i think that's just one of the uh the trade-offs or side effects of that is that um, that divide, I should say, or that anger that comes from evil. What are your all thoughts? Well, and I'm actually I'm getting go ahead and talk, Alex, because I'm actually getting the link to this. I'm going to post I'm going to post this on our on our Facebook page right now, so people who are listening and are people who are going to watch the podcast later on can uh, can grab this so what do you, go ahead alex yeah um i mean i think it's it's pretty obvious that social media companies are are um you know i i don't know are trying to ramp up the polarization i don't know that we know exactly why they're doing it um i, I would assume it probably again much like the media it makes makes them money the more people are ramped up the more people are are glued to their phones and the more ad revenue they can sell um but yeah it um it's disheartening it really really is disheartening both with social media and with um, traditional media really just disheartening that uh, the american public can fall fall for that um you know, i would yeah I, I would have just hoped that we would have a little more ability to think for ourselves. Um, but, you know, it's scary to show that, or to see that, that we're falling victim to this stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's just, it, it's just very disheartening that one, that corporations out, out there, you know, maybe, maybe there is some upside to Elon. Oh, he froze on us. He froze up on it. Yeah, there he goes. Mess with. So you're you kind of cut out on us there for a second, Alex. I mean, yeah, Elon Musk taking over Twitter will be definitely be an interesting. You know, he's in his first weekend. He's already banned. Uh, oh, what was that? Be less, be less celebrity. Uh, Kathy. Um, Mm. I can't. Think, um, I can see your face red. -haired. I remember. I remember reading about this. Yeah. Though, yeah. And he. I mean. So, but when you, when I look at, when I look at, and I'm, okay, so if you go to our Facebook page, I'm just posting this right now, um, 
the so and this is not just a little bit about this movie, The Social Dilemma. This is not a conspiracy theory film. I'm just going to put that disclaimer out there right now. This is, I would say, at least 40 to 50 former employees of Facebook, right? Who who come out and say, I forget the number, but yeah, it, it was just, it was a lot of people that worked on the original algorithms and design these websites. Yeah. And it, it, these guys, I mean, and then when, and then when, um, Mark Zuckerberg goes before Congress, I mean, they show this, they show the footage of this in the movie. I mean, in short, basically saying that the AI has gotten so advanced that it's, I mean, it's almost think. I mean, it's literally thinking and developing on its own. And, I, and the media, and the immediate thing that comes to my mind when I see this is, okay, Terminator, and <laughs> iRobot. Okay, <laughs> two things that I don't want to happen. Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix. The ma- Oh yeah. yes, definitely the Matrix. But oh, that'd be terrifying. But I mean, it's it's just amazing how much people, how much stock people put into media into social media for their political views and we confessed this last week alex i don't know if you saw this or not but travis and i both confessed this last week and sean did too we did not we did not do our research as much as what we should have for this election you know if it's a local election and i'm still trying to familiar i mean i've known chad perkins for years i mean i know what kind of guy is we've had him on the show we had him on the show last season and i know you know what you get, you vote for Chad Perkins, boom. But, you know, when it came to our senatorial candidates, when I went to the when I went to the primary, I just didn't want to make sure that uh oh Navy SEAL Eric Greitens, you know, didn't didn't get, you know, wife 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 beaten and all this other stuff. Rhino hunter. Yeah, rhino hunter. Hunting rhinos. Hunting rhinos. So we're gonna hunt rhinos. And but I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you, and I hate to say this because I preach this to my kids all the time. I honestly couldn't tell you anything about the candidates. And so I was like, okay, whose sign did I see more of in the yards? And that's a, to me, that's, unless they're Alex Ellison signs, then I go, okay, <laughs> I know that guy. But, you know, so, so, so my point is though, so what do people go, their go to is what? Social media. Their go, their go to is okay. What are the polls saying? I don't, and it's it's kind of like I don't want to be on the losing side, so I'm going to check all the polls, and I want to make sure that I'm on the winning side. So I'm going to go with what the polls are going to go with. I mean, what, what are your guys' thoughts on that? It, no. it, I, you know, I I tend to know quite a bit about the candidates. Um, but that's because I'm very much a nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. I mean, I was a political science major. You know, I, I get into this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, it's tough, especially, um, you know, even for this general election, we had five constitutional amendments on the ballot mm-hmm. in Missouri. And outside of the pot amendment, um, I bet most people didn't know what any what any of the others really meant. Mm-hmm. And even with the pot amendment, um, it, it, it was like, it's like a 30 page document. Um, really? You know, I, you can't tell me that everybody read the 30 pages before they voted on it. <laughs> um, and then, and then you, at the end, if you remember at the end of your ballot, you see the like 10 judicial candidates that you're just voting to retain them or not. And if you don't and retain them, then most they... of those names, I'm a, yeah, I'm a lawyer and I've never heard of most of those names. Um, I only knew so, one name on so, the ballot, and that was Mylon Barry. That was the only one I knew. So, yeah, yeah. Judge, um, Judge Barry is uh, a great guy. So, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, and so it was. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, um, and I, I don't know. I don't know how you fixed it. I don't know if it's that. I, I don't know if that's an inherently American thing. I don't know if we, if other countries struggle with the same thing, um, but. It, it's tough to, to know everybody on the ballot. Did you, uh, one thing I did, I never did check to see did the did the push for the Constitu- Missouri Constitutional Convention did that pass or not? Uh, 
No, it, it failed. Okay. Because I was just like, oh, heck, well, let's see history happen for the whatever uh, the fit. The, what I did the same thing. I voted. I voted yes. I was like, I know this will be absolute chaos. <laughs> I just wanted to, I just, I, I, I'd be like that meme of that guy just sitting there eating popcorn in the theater. Just, I just want to sit there and just watch it happen, you know, because we've, we are currently operating under, it's either four, 1946 or 1948 uh, Missouri Constitution. I can't remember if it's 46 or 48, but that is the one. That we are currently, we have, so we had the one that admitted us into the union. Uh, we had, I think we had two after the Civil War, and then the th- and the fourth one was after, uh, was in 1946, 48, whatever it was. So I was like, eh, hey, why not? Let's just, you know, and if you've ever looked at, I mean, the Missouri Constitution isn't like, a, you know, the U.S. Constitution 30-minute read. It's kind of like a... We get these. We get these from the Secretary of State every other year. They're a red book, and they're about they're about yay thick, you know, which is nothing compared to RSMO. The the Missouri Revised Standards I think takes up an entire freaking library. Uh, the website is just ridiculous on how long it is. But yeah, I was uh, that was that was something else. Um, one other thing I wanted to get at too. Where you mentioned our local guys, what impact do you guys think of this is going to have with these key states that you mentioned? Now you mentioned uh, Kansas, Alex, earlier as turning from red to blue as far as which that hasn't happened in a long time in Kansas, but Arizona, uh, or Arizona, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Um, and Nevada, I don't think I don't know. I still don't know if they've decided Nevada because Nevada was so close to calling the governor races. Um, you know, when you look at the whole picture, though, was uh, out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So twelve states had governor elections. Okay, Democrats took nine, Republicans took three. So, what impact do you guys feel that that? What kind of bearing is that going to have on this next election cycle? Do you think? Mm. I I really think Republicans lost a lot of momentum this election, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be honest. Unless are we talking? Are we talking federal? Or are we talking like local level? I think. I think. Or just I think overall, we. I think we need to look at. Because right now, what I'm seeing, 100%. If Trump tries to run, I don't see Republicans getting the presidency. No, I I think that's totally going to split the Republican vote, and to me, people are going to be against that, and they're going to vote to not have him get in, whether they like the Democrat or not. I mean, well, we saw that with Biden. It's not that people loved Biden; they just didn't like they Trump. Didn't like that's Trump. why Biden got the vote. So yeah, and. Do you, I mean, the thing that I worry about more, more than anything else, and I've stated this on the show before, that if Trump does not get the nomination, he's going to pull a Teddy Roosevelt, he's going to up and walk out of the convention, and he's going to split the Republican Party wide open. That's my greatest fear right there. And whoever the Democrats have in there, I mean, you could throw Mickey Mouse in there and he'll win the election, you know? My bigger I think fear, that's what we're going to see. Well, my bigger fear is going to be this. And we have a Missouri, we got two Missouri guys and, well, and a former Illinois guy and a current Illinois guy. The person who's silently gaining strength in the Democratic Party is J.B. Pritzker of Illinois, of Illinois yeah. governor. I mean, what kind of concern should that be for the Republican Party, do you think, Alex? Um, well, he's, I mean, he's one of those, you know, there's like five or six people out there floating around that are very strong candidates if Joe Biden doesn't run. Um, you know, you got J.B. Pritzker, who's on the rise. You got Gavin Newsom, the California mm-hmm. governor. Mm-hmm. Rise. That's a big one. Um, you know, I think one to watch out for, who's, he's very impressive personally, is uh, uh Governor Whitmer out of Michigan. Yes. Um, the yeah. one, you know, who had the, the failed 
uh, kidnapping plot against her in 2020. Uh, I forgot about that. You know, yeah, there are there are a Pete Buttigieg also. Yeah, Pete's Pete's still very relevant. Yeah, I mean there are there's a the the Democrats have a deep bench, um, and I mean they could I I think any one of those candidates or Joe Biden or if Donald Trump split the Republican Party I think he is unlikable as she is I think Kamala Harris. Um, <laughs> Would be elected president. I think Hillary Clinton would would be elected president. If she They've been talking about that. Yeah, having her run again. The age the age the age factor. I think is going to pay. The age factor eventually has to play into this. The I, my wife and I were sitting there watching the news tonight, and out comes Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and it looks like they were wheeling like a couple of corpses out there. And standing them up in front of the people. I mean, I, of course, I don't watch a lot. I, re, I read, and thanks to one of my our, my students, Campbell Lindsay, who parents bring me in the Wall Street Journal. I read that this year since she's gotten into my class as a freshman. Her, you know, I get the day after Wall Street Journal, and I'm now more than ever I'm reading news. I'm getting more of my news from the newspaper than I am anything else. And so it's been a while since I've watched. And when they they brought Nancy Pelosi out there tonight. I was just like, good God, her cheekbones are about ready to poke through her skin. You know, I mean, and I, I don't mean that as a slam, but I'm just like, the woman, I think she's 82. Joe Biden's 78. Chuck Schumer is in his late 70s. Kevin McCarthy's considered a young pup in the 50s. You know? Yeah. I mean, at one point, and and that's another thing. That's the last thing I wanted to point out from the, from that John Stewart thing, Travis, was that they really underestimate another group, not only women, but new voters, yeah. young young new voters, and this is a demographic that really hasn't been sought after. I would say since the two thousand election with Al Gore. You know, Al Gore did like two or three town hall meetings on it. I remember him doing them on MTV. I remember recording them and playing them in class. And the kids in my class at the time were just like, this guy's a clown, you know, because <laughs> he was trying to appeal to younger voters. But this young demographic, and like I said, being at YAG this week, kids, there are those kids who, who are, there's some kids who don't give a rip. Just give me my paycheck, give me my, you know, my can of bush light and let me sit down and watch my evening episode of Pornhub and, and go to sleep. You know, <laughs> I mean, but yet you still have some of those kids who are, and, and I, I spoke to a group of kids this weekend. I just said, you guys are the future. You guys are the ones who have to finish up and fix up this, this crap show that we've created. My generation, the generations before us. So, yeah, I, it would be nice to see younger, a younger generation enter into politics. I really think it's what the country needs overall is we just need some fresh blood and we need new people. You well, know, it's like the uh, candidate uh, that you say that the candidate from I got to look up this guy. It was it is officially the youngest guy ever elected to Congress. Uh, he's tw and he's 25 years old from, because 25 years old is the uh, the age requirement for uh, candidates, uh, representative. But he, he actually won his uh, seat. Uh, what was his name? But he was from Florida, and I was really surprised to see. I was encouraged to see that. Let's see where was he from? Uh, Maxwell oh, yeah. Maxwell Frost. Uh, so this is he. He was twenty five. He's the first. Will be the first Gen Z member of Congress. Uh, progressive acti activist Maxwell Alejandro Frost will be officially become first Gen Z member of Congress after winning his race to Florida's tenth and tenth district. And he's he's central he's central like central Florida, 
Frost defeated Republican Calvin Wimbish, age 72, a retired Army Green Beret and conservative activist. Okay. On Rick Larry, he's playing a big role in like uh, in like unions, improving health care, housing, and wages, which I think those are big. Uh, I would say that's more in line and more in touch with the people. I think those issues are really, especially the younger generation. I think those are big things right now. Yeah, and they said he was he was a top organizer for March for Our Lives, the anti-gun violence group formed in response to the Parkland school shooting in 2018. Um, he centered his campaign around issues especially important to young voters, ending gun violence, addressing climate change, protecting abortion rights, and supporting Medicare for all. He actually, and I, and I, not knowing, I, you know, I, I would love to have seen what that 72-year-old guy's response was to him. Well, look at this young kid, you know. But, I mean, Alex, how old were you when you ran, when you first ran for prosecuting attorney? Um, well, so I was 27 when I got elected. So yeah. what, I mean, what are the, other than having a, having a, a law degree, what were the other requirements for being prosecuting attorney? Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, other than <laughs> having to, you know, you, you have to live in, in your County. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. So um, it doesn't take it doesn't take a whole lot. Well, and Chad, per- I I know Chad Perkins is in his thirties. I'm I think he's I think he's in his mid thirties as well. Um, but no, when, you know Ron Ron DeSantis is forty four years old. He's younger than me. Wow, Holy I think that's a great. Want to talk about young present. blood? Ron DeSantis has the young blood. Ron, you know. My brother. That's unfortunate. I th- I I agree with Alex. I really, uh, I'm not a hundred percent on board with him, but like some of the stuff I've seen him, he seems like a pretty good candidate for president. Like, well, and he, you know, and the, I don't. I'm just curious. I want to see this stuff that that Trump says he's going to roll out of the closet on on the Yeah. You know. I yeah, mean, I remember I, seeing that. I. It is what it is, but come what may. Um, and I can honestly say this, and I'm confident in this fact. I'm, I'm, you know, I was, of course, I was also confident back in the election 2020. But we did see, we did see democracy carried out. The will of the people did occur. Um, you know, even though uh, I was reading yesterday that Donald Trump is already contemplating lawsuits in Arizona and Pennsylvania, saying that those elections were rigged, of course. And what's what's weird about it is neither one of those candidates are even saying anything. It's like, yeah, I lost. Yeah, I lost. So, you know, something to keep your eye on. Something to keep our eye on. Um, anything else? Gentlemen, we're at the end of our time. That went fast. It always does. Alex, thanks for coming on, yeah. man. We really appreciate it. We always like your insight on things, and congratulations again on getting reelected. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. And I do want to say, earlier we were talking about, you know, Dwayne Johnson maybe running for president. Um, I will say, if anybody named Dwayne is going to be elected president, it better be President Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Camacho. <laughs> Might have had to see idiocracy. Oh <laughs> my gosh! There's that's a great reference. That is a great, great reference. Yeah, everybody else, go out and look it up. You'll 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 get it. So anyway, uh, thank you, Alex, for joining us. Um, please join us again next week. Um, we're going to be like we said. We're going to be talking stuff that's out of my wheelhouse. I'm going to. Actually, sit back and let Sean and Travis drive next week. So, and I know this is—it's more Travis. Travis is Mister Investo. This is a topic I've been wanting to touch on for a while now, and now we and have I'm, a lot of news that's given us a reason to really hit on it. And so. you guys, you guys are going to educate me next week. I'm going to do some light reading. I know Travis throughout the week will probably be sending me stuff, but uh, definitely want to tune in next week. So please share us. Um, I've kind of got some ideas tossing around for next year. We're already, we're coming, we're episode 
34. So we're getting close to wrapping up another season. We're only 18 episodes, 18 weeks away from season two wrapping up. It's hard to believe that, but it is, uh, it is because of you guys. Please share. Um, you know, I was looking last week too. I know I'm rambling a lot, but I was looking last week at our demographics. We picked up um, new listeners in two two new foreign countries last week, which I still am baffled on how that happens. But thank you for uh, our foreign friends who are listening to us wherever you are. Uh, please share. Please share the podcast. Uh, please share. Uh, like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. One of our goals that we have, as we were talking about, you know, becoming bigger influencers on fa on youtube requires us to get a thousand subscribers and we're at 40 so <laughs> we need 960 new subscribers on uh youtube if you're not following us on youtube please go over head over to our youtube page and subscribe for us there and share us and uh click the like button and all that good stuff over there too uh for travis kirkendall and alex ellison and our absent sean uh, Phillips, we want to wish you a great week and we'll see you next time.